Sibilance. 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 Check, check. Check, one, check, check, check. One, two. Here we are. Welcome to a... I guess it's another... Yeah, we're on the, it's the right day. It's Friday. Okay, we're back on Friday. <laughs> Last week was the day we were off. Another edition of Generation Zennial. Keith and Vinny here to talk about maybe some good news today. Vaccinations hey, coming yes. your way. Yes, the vaccinations are on the way. Um, Already started in the Great Britain. Yes, the first one's getting in Great Britain this week. Um, I still think we have a long ways to go before um, they're spread out community-wide and to, to everybody regularly, but oh, it's a good first step. And yeah, some, some positive news in this dreary world that we live in today. I mean, it's it's probably the fastest we've ever seen a vac it is the fastest we've ever seen a vaccine created but that's largely because governments have spent billions of dollars uh and given that to different pharmaceutical companies to invest in this and get it done because it's the first thing that's been this big that's affected us so broadly i think around the world that we need at least 100 years to. right at oh, least yeah. 100 years and and 100 years ago i don't know what kind of mechanisms they had to create vaccines right. so i don't think uh vaccines are widely available in, in, you know for the spanish spanish flu epidemic no but, no exactly um so thank god it's here uh like i said britain already approved it canada approved it two days ago and as of this recording on friday yesterday the fda advisory board recommended it for immediate approval so um Last report I heard was as early as Monday, we'd be getting Pfizer vaccines in the U.S. being issued. Now the issue becomes getting people to take the vaccine, getting people to trust the vaccine. Right. Because um, as we know, there's, there's a fairly large anti-vaccination movement in the United States and across the world. Um, Which always amazes me. It does amaze me. It, um, but people are, people are always skeptical of these things. And for, I can't blame people for being skeptical. I can sometimes blame people for being skeptical without reason or evidence. Right. Um, but, but yeah, um, you know, these, this vaccine, like you said, came out, came out very fast. Um, one of the fastest produced vaccines that probably the fastest produced vaccine that we've ever had. So I, I kind of understand that level of um, distrust, especially without, with all the misinformation about vaccines out there. So well, you know, there's you, know that, you don't want to you don't want to fault people for that, but at the same time, we need to we need to educate people about about how this vaccine works, and um, and hopefully enough people will trust it to take it, and we can get to that I believe seventy five percent threshold that we kind of need to to squash the virus per se. Yeah, I can tell. I totally get where there's mistrust. I mean, first of all, we have the anti-vax movement that's been going on for almost two decades, or if not longer now, which just always confounds me because people um you know first there was that now defunct paper that showed that vaccines cause autism which has been disproven time multiple and time, time, again, but, time but time that's time another again. thing that people will keep they'll keep bringing it up repeating. the one yeah. the one paper and they, they forget how science works science, you have to be able to repeat and and the person that wrote it even said it was wrong and you know they've been disbarred and all oh, not disbarred but discredited and all that stuff but people you know because enough celebrities got on board with it and it got pushed and you know when people start putting a list of like oh look at all these things that are in the vaccine they don't understand what vaccines are made of uh you know oh there's mercury in it and like yeah the the little mini trace amount of mercury because there's you know fish oil in there to help right. yeah that's part of how it binds together 
but when you take people that are not scientists and they try to analyze a scientific thing, uh, you get all this, you know, um, pseudoscience junk and people create this whole anti-vax movement, which is sad. I yeah, mean, but that, that, you know, that, ha- that happens with everything too, right? Because it's like, we talk about this a lot and how um, people who want to spread misinformation don't necessarily come out and just lie straight up to you. What they do right. is they, they use, they use little bits of true information to mislead you in a different direction. And then that leads you down a path that ultimately ends up with the wrong, wrong ideas and wrong result. But it, they're not, then when you turn around and say, well, then it's come out and say like, I, I wasn't lying to you. Was I like, I was using the, I was using truthful information, but just using that little bit of truth or, you know, kernel of truth to lead you right. down the wrong path. And we see that time and time again, when it comes to misinformation. Yeah. Here, here's a little bit of fact to go along with a lot of non-fact and we, you know, it gets all extruded, but there, there is real, there are, uh, there are some communities that I understand they have mistrust. Cause if you look back and, you know, just a couple of decades ago, there was a whole African-American community that was experimental uh, drugs were done on them without them, their consent. I've seen that. I've seen that brought up and. Um, which I get why that community has distrust and we have to do a lot of work to overcome that distrust. Exactly. Cause and that's, that's that's and a different kind of is, thing. And than you've already seen it that this, um, you know, poor, poor communities have been hit the hardest by the coronavirus, understandably. Um, you know, they have less access to healthcare, um, tougher, usually tighter living conditions, um, usually in a, in a, in a more urban packed setting. Right. Um, so population density is higher. So you're going to, you're going to see a, a more cases in, in those kind of areas. And those are the areas that we really do need to, um, yeah, you know, the people that rely on public transportation, close contact with people more. You know, you, you I think about, really a, you think on, about right? a city compared to a suburb, right? And you know, you have you have thousands of people basically living on top of each other in, you in know, these uh, massive apartment buildings and, and tenements. It doesn't even um, have to be a city; it could just be a, a large town. Even you know, you have you still have low-income housing in one section. They're living in apartments, and they're all taking the bus, versus people that have a single-family home and have cars that can drive around it's a whole different dynamic well yeah yeah i mean that's yeah. that's obvious but but my point being is that you know these are these are the places that are going to be the hardest to not only uh, distribute the vaccine to but also one of the, some of the hardest places that are going to have people that were are going to be willing to take the vaccine and i think that's something that's kind of important and, uh mm-hmm. going forward with with the hopefully biden administration well i mean because we're still we're still in the minutes of a, of a coup i mean Oh, so you're bringing it there already. It didn't. It didn't take it's long on my to mind. get to. It is on my mind. It's it's weighing heavy on my mind actually because it's, it's one of these things that we keep talking about. And we keep going back to it, and we we knew this was going to happen. This was going to happen in 2016. If we lost, this is happening now. Um, I didn't. I never expected to get to to this point where now you have attorney generals of states wanting to overturn election results in different other in other states. What which, happened to states' rights? Which is yeah, well, that's 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 the that's the easy go-to argument, right? Is well, these are well, these are the same people. All these Republicans, all these conservatives who have been been crying states' rights for for decades, and And now they're trying to overturn another state's election. Right now, they want to overturn other states' elections, basically saying that they're they're voting, they're they were being unconstitutional um, in in their election, and and this does kind of speak to a a need for a um, a federal federal regulations on, on voting. I would have no problem with that as long as the, you know, the regulations were, were fair. Especially uh, if you're talking about, um, 
uh, federal elections. You know, you're talking about the presidential yeah. election. If you want, if you want there to be a standard, make a standard. Right. I, um, and I, I would have no issue with that as long as the, as long as the standards were fair to each state and um, and didn't infringe on um, the rights of each state to elect to send electors to to vote. Um, yeah, I think we should have some kind of federal standards, and I think this issue kind of speaks to that. Now, will, will anything come out of this that will, um, will we get any kind of federal regulations on voting? No, because no, probably not. People, people don't, people don't actually want it, right? It's just, people don't, people want their, their states to be able to basically choose how they want to elect their, their and let's be representatives honest, for, and for the majority of history and their electors. For the majority of history, it hasn't been a huge problem in that regards. I mean, with the, the uh, talk about voting suppression aside, um, I'm talking about just the general idea of like the state emergency election. These are the results. They pass off the results to the federal election and no one, no one in history, they, it, I don't know of a case where all of a sudden, you know, we decided who the president was and the state said, no, that's wrong. And now we have states saying, no, that's wrong. You know, we have Texas saying that's wrong or, you know, the, at least the attorney general of Texas and you have, and you have, um, you have high-ranking officials arguing with each other about it. And you have, unfortunately, then down the line, you have election officials in these states getting death threats, having to go into hiding. Well, that's the scary thing. And I, I think, and I'm still, big part of my worry, concern is the, the reaction, um, not, only, not only going on right now, um, not only moving forward, um, Monday will be the, the date that the electors actually get together right. and, and vote on the president, but even up until the inauguration and afterwards, I don't, I don't know how people are going to react. Um, and it's not, we're not going to see it in the places that we are. Right. I mean, I think in New York and Connecticut respectively, I think, you know, being, no. being heavily, heavily, um, blue. Yeah. Texas uh, is not going to start to overturn our results because you know, we are going to be blue either way. So. I don't think we're going to see a big march of like, you know, the, the red areas from our, our states, like arming up and trying to do, you know, malicious. Well, he, he my, but, I, but I do worry about the rest of the country, right? I do worry about places like Arizona and I do worry about places like even like Michigan and, um, the, right. and Pennsylvania. What's, what, what's going to happen in those states when we're, will people descend on the, on the state houses and who, who knows? Cause the, the, this, this is getting riled up to the point where this is this is becoming a legitimate concern, whereas before, and I think a lot of people wrote, wrote it off and it is as a joke, but we've had this conversation how many times, like stop, we need to stop writing off Donald Trump as a joke, right? Yeah, it's too we, late for that. We've been doing it for five years now, since ever since he, he not, or six years, whatever, ever since he, he came down that escalator and said, I'm running for president, everyone's taking him as a joke. And every time, he's come out and, and been able to somehow come out on top. Right. Right. So this is just another situation where I'm like, you, you, you stop treating this man like a joke. Like, number one he's he's destroying the, the democratic process mm -hmm. as, as we know it. Right. Every, every presidential candidate from here on out will be able to use this as, as a method of delegitimizing the president, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. Right. The Democrat, a, a Democrat candidate doing this, I think, would would politically harm themselves by, by yeah, trying I to think pull something like this. But con conservative politics are a different breed, especially when you start talking about like the base. Um, they don't care. They really don't. They don't care. They just they want to win. They really think that 
this vote was illegal and states cheated and votes came out of nowhere. I, I heard somebody in the bagel shop yesterday. I overheard them talking about how all these votes came in overnight and we've debunked this how many times and then, but you, if, as long as you're not looking at that, looking for that information, you're not going to find it. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that becomes an issue. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if anybody does, but it's, it's, it's still going to be an interesting month. Um, going, you know, leading into the actual inauguration. Yeah. You know, like you said, so first of all, I, I've been thinking, cause you know, Texas, I, the, the lawsuit as I read it is like, they want to throw out the results of those four States. Right. Basically not, saying, not overturn it, just throw them out. So the question right, basically, is, basically if, saying that those, those States elected their president unconstitutionally. But so if you throw out those four States, then wouldn't Biden still have more electoral votes than Trump? I didn't run the numbers, but I think he would. Um, I think you'd come into a situation where neither one of them would have the majority needed. Well, you right? can't at that point. Right. And that, and that then turns the constitution says that if um, neither, neither candidate or no candidates get a majority of the electoral votes, then it goes to the house of representatives, well, the but, question not, is- but not individual house of representatives. It goes to, to, to state houses. So basically the, whoever the representatives are, would then vote in that state. And I think um, the state houses, most of, most have the majority controlled by Republicans. So Trump would end up winning, still winning the presidency. I think that's, that's their, that's, that's their the play. ultimate goal. The other thing I think about a lot too is, does Trump believe this, or is this just a tool of his to number one, do legitimate, um, delegitimize the Biden presidency? And also fundraise for himself because he's ma- he's making a lot of money off of this right now. He's getting well, a lot of donations. I definitely think fundraising is part of it because he he just I think he needs the money first of all. I oh, hundred percent, he needs the money. The other day I was I was talking about this. I think that uh, but part of it I honestly think that in this the, I I've had this conversation multiple times with people. I think if you look at Trump himself as a, as a person in history, like. You can you you can tell he never played a team sport, you know he never he never played a sport as a kid because he doesn't know how to lose. He doesn't understand that he can lose. Like in his career, he doesn't understand losing. In his show, he doesn't understand. Like he's always been the winner. He's always been in charge, so he doesn't understand the concept of losing for him personally. So I feel like there's some sort of mental block in there where he just literally cannot understand that he can actually lose. Right. And, that, and that's what I'm hearing. Right. And that's what I'm, I'm hearing from a lot of pundits is that this is this is his ideology that he's just he's just he doesn't know how to lose. He's a sore loser. Um, I think he's a sore loser. I, I just think he can't mentally has, understand that he can lose. Right. Which, that, I think that's a difference. I, a sore loser is a person that flips the table over when they lose a board game. That's a sore loser. I'm, I'm talking about he's a person well, he's, flipping the, he's flipping the board and saying i won right <laughs> saying he's saying, also his game was board. rigged and I, his game was rigged and i won so yeah, yeah i guess exactly i guess that's different um, you know, a sore loser yeah. flips the board and walks away you know they rage quit and break their keyboard kind of thing where he's just like no i'm gonna i'm gonna push the table to the side and be like no i still won and give me my money he's gonna wait for you you know he's playing you're playing poker with him he throws out you know do seven and you got parrot pocket aces he's gonna be like okay give me the money i won He's going to say that. Oh, what are you talking about? There, 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 there were three. There were three other twos and three other sevens on the board, even though you're only playing Texas Hold'em. <laughs> so, but, yeah, it's, it's, it, but that's, that's what I wonder. I wonder does does he really believe his own his own BS, or is this just a ploy? And 
it, that's very little, interesting. It, to me. it doesn't. It doesn't ultimately matter. Not really. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter in the, in the I outcome think of all this. Dangerous is all the other Republicans that, and and this is why I think you know I think there's gonna there are definitely some entrenched Republicans that believe everything that he says, that follow him to the end because I don't know why, but they do. But I also think that I'm. I, I think and I kind of hope that there's a large. Uh, large amount of Republicans that are, you know, I'm not talking about electors, I'm talking about actually elected officials that, cause we've seen it over the past couple of years where if you are a Republican that goes against Trump, you die. It's political suicide. So I think a lot of them are like, okay, we are going to back whatever he says until he's no longer relevant because it's behoven on our own personal gain. Like if, if we go against him, then we also lose and we don't want to lose. And, and that goes back to they don't want to lose. They, they're afraid of getting kicked out of office because someone else is going to come. Right, well, no one wants to lose their election, right? No, like this right. is basically their job, <laughs> right? They, yeah. They're, they're, but, they're, they're interviewing but unlike other job jobs, they continue to get paid it. afterwards. So this is true too. Like, like if you're a congressperson, if you, if you lose your job, you still get paid afterwards, like for the rest of your life. It's not like you don't get money. Um, and you'll, yeah, you'll, be, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be fine because most of them and, just go, go into lobbying and then make And even make if more you money. don't, you know, honestly, I, I always thought about this. Like, say you ran, you know, and you just were a senator or a congressperson for, you know, representative for one term. You're going to make more than I make in a year. Oh, yeah. For the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, you can I mean, have a very comfortable life. I mean, the sad thing is, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the congressmen and, and senators and they want more and more we'll, and more. Well, well, we'll we'll make more money out, outside of office, right? Um, yeah, but but I mean, just on the on the payroll check of the yeah. government. For now, here's now here's an interesting scenario because obviously this you know election cycles don't stop. Um, Never. In two, in, in two years, we will be electing especially if you're entire, House representatives. Right, we'll be electing a new House in two years, and what happens to? these Republican congressmen, especially the congressmen, who have to, who might get primaried by a, by a Trump's, Trump supporting Republican in two years and this, and not standing up to the Democrats or, you know, or, or the, the quote unquote election fraud, you know, that's good. That's not going to look good in two years. And I think that's why a lot of the, um, like, they're either like, not saying anything at all. 106 of the representatives right now are, are backing this. Um, well, this, this uh, last lawsuit. week, last week the Washington Post had a poll out, and only 27 Republicans in the Congress have acknowledged Biden's victory. Right. 27 out of 250 something. I forget the. You mean publicly, publicly acknowledged. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they respond to the survey and they publicly acknowledged that Biden was the, you know, the next president yeah. of the United States. Right. I, I, but what happens now when, you know, we have what, 106 Republican Congress uh, people right now currently saying that this we supporting the, the Texas um, lawsuit. Right. So what happens to those? I don't know how many total there are, but the other ones that didn't come out and publicly support this lawsuit in two years when they're getting primary and their opponent comes out and say they didn't support Donald Trump's lawsuit. We know Biden's an illegitimate president. They're not standing up to him. Vote for me. I'll stand up to Joe Biden. And then this is just going to permeate, honestly, just more fascism. You know, so call me optimistic, if you will. You're being I optimistic. Think, I'm glad someone I'm, is, though, Keith. Someone needs to be optimistic. I'm, I'm going to be hopeful I'm, here. How, how's I that? I'm going to be hopeful. Is that, first of all, I think part of it's going to really, based on, you know, on the other end of this pandemic, 
you know, we looking at the fall of 2021 now, we're on the other end of this, hopefully. Um, what does Biden do? Are people working again? Are they, you know, if people are working and the economy is good and we're out of a pandemic, does that change people's minds? I know there's hardcore people that they'll never change their mind. It doesn't matter what they're doing. But if you get people back to work and, you know, if Biden gets people back to work and back in school and, and they're not getting government assistance and, you know, they're not wearing face masks all the time anymore, does that change their mindset? No, I don't think so, because Probably Trump not. still got elected in 2016, right? When before all this happened <laughs> and, and it's more of a cult of personality, right? It's not, yeah. it's, they're not they don't base their lives on what's going on in Logic. reality or what's going on as, as the country as a whole, right? They, they base their, their ideology on, on their ideology. And right now their ideology is Trump is Trump is doing is, is the best thing that's ever happened to America. He's yeah. going to, he's saving America. He's he, the, the whole MAGA movement, right? Was right. like, we're, we're make America great again. It's just, it's a slogan. It doesn't mean anything. There's no, there's no real, there's no real ideology or, or policy behind MAGA. It's just make America great again, obviously. And right. So, and so that's, I think that's what you're up against. And, and, and you're, and you're up against these things in like, hardcore Republican um, districts, right? I think, I think we're right. kind of insulated to this living, living where, where we do. Um, even in, even in, in New York state and in, in, in Connecticut, where you do have, you know, pockets of, you know, red counties and whatnot, you don't have that, this, this like Trumpism fever that, that you do in other places and even we do see it in yeah we get the pickup trucks here and there. but it's not it's not as what's the word i'm looking for it doesn't it's not, it's not as applicable right it's not as applicable right it doesn't yeah. it's not gonna it, but i do worry about these places where now you're just gonna have hardcore trumpers getting elected in two years to the house and and mm -hmm. what does that do um i mean you see you even see an uptick in in this past election of the, the, the Democrats didn't do as well as they should have in the House. I think a lot of that has to do with Nancy Pelosi and her leadership. Um, I think we need to start moving on from, from I agree. the, you know, the more moderate liberals. I, I think it was I, I think right you get a lot of people her... disagree with that, though, I, because. Well, I, I think it was right to, for her to stay as the speaker while Trump was still in office. 100%. Yeah, I think, I'm not, you, I'm not I think you need that. someone with that experience to be at the head of at the head of the ship at that time yeah at the same time I'm, yeah i'm not arguing that that I, I think she kind of was the right person for the job for the past two years you know you um, need someone that was going to be stern enough to stand up to him but i think now but going forward the Biden administration we can we can it's time to pass that baton to the next generation um, another thing she's of, she's, of been, she's just been so demonized now over the past like how many years right. she's been house speaker was a well, the problem um, is it's the same thing with Hillary Clinton, right? You, yeah, everyone's you saw demonized Hillary Clinton. Now. Hillary Clinton had had been demonized for you know twenty years in, in the media. Career. The Clinton, the Clintons were demonized by the Republican Party since they were in Arkansas. Yeah, which is funny because basically they were just like light conservatives, <laughs> right? I mean, no one, no one was arguing. Like, no one looking back now, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk, you don't want to talk about Bill Clinton being a being a radical Marxist. Well, he's not. He's not. Neither was Hillary, nation. but look at that. But look, look, look at Joe Biden getting called things like radical, radical Marxist. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a radical. Uh, so, the, they, socialist, the socialist Joe Biden. He, like, he is. Uh, Joe Biden is nothing but a centrist, moderate. You know, he's a he's a he believes in the Senate. He believes in legislation. He and he wants to do the best for everybody on both sides. He doesn't want to go too far right, too far left. He wants to drive down the middle. 
and and that's where you and know, does that but does that does that win moving forward and that's the question i think everyone has to answer I, um because i think well i think obviously one now but i think in, in like you said in two years and four years a lot of it's going to be depending. So the rumor is that everyone's talking about is that Trump is going to launch his reelection campaign the day of the day before or the day of the inauguration. Like that's the rumor right now is that he's going to run for in 2024. So if he does run in 2024, you're just continuing Trumpism. You're, you're, yeah. It's going to continue on nonstop for the next four years for sure. I mean, it's going to, it's going to continue either way. Um, but as long as he is still uh, either running or in the in the spotlight somehow, he's still going to lead a movement, even if he's not in office. He's still going to yeah. No, Trump is not going away, and I think I think a lot of people recognize that, and um, he's still going to be the de facto leader of the Republican Party, whether or not Republicans like that or not, because right. he's, he does still have massive popularity within the Republican Party throughout the country. And I think um, that's why people like Mitch McConnell and stuff like that are just kind of on board because they realize people follow him and they don't want to lose control of the ship, so they're like. You know, they're almost like letting him drive, but they still want a, a hand on the wheel. Well, that, that brings back my point. Like, if someone like Mitch McConnell came out and said Trump's being ridiculous, this, like, this, he lost the election, he needs to get over it. Like, he would be, he would be done. Like, Mitch McConnell would be primaried out of the, of the, even the contest next, next time around. Well, he's he got another be, six he years. He wouldn't even so. be reelected. He wouldn't even make it past the primary. And that's, that's kind of where, where we're at now is, you know. Places are seem to be so locked in, either Republican or Democratic, that, right. that the, the primaries obviously almost mean more in, in a lot of these places than than the actual general elections. So you know, this kind of brings me to an idea that I've been hearing about this week. Um, they're talking about bringing back earmarks into bills. So this was they were t- well, eight, ten years ago. We took out earmarks. So basically, you know, here's a big bill. I'm going to slip a little bit in. So you know, my county and whatever state gets a little money for X, Y, Z thing. Um, it got taken out because a lot of, you know, there were a lot of kickbacks going the wrong direction to contractors and things like that. But there is also where good things happening where, you know, there's this big bill and for me to agree of it, you know, maybe it's a democratic bill, but I'm a Republican Senator and I'll agree to it. If I can get $500,000 for this education program in my city, you know, if you can get a little money my way in this larger bill, then I'll say yes to it. So it was in the ba- in the old days, it was a way to kind of bridge that gap. And if you look at the evidence in the last 10 years, we've kind of gone, you know, hard line right or left, and we haven't had any crossover. So the question is, if we bring that back, would it help out with the stalemate we see in Congress? No, it's a good question, huh? That is, no, it's a really good question because I'm not, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it because, like, at first, like when when they talked about getting rid of it, I was like, yeah, let's get rid of that. It doesn't make sense. Why are we putting all this stuff in? But as I learned more about how government works in general and how people work, you know, just how people work, you know, you're more likely to agree to do something if you get a little bit out of it. You know, yeah, and it's it's a lot easier to defend a bill too if you're saying, well, I'm voting for this because you know it's going to help out our community because right. Yeah, people obviously look out for the people closest to the, closest to them first. So yeah, um, there should be some safe marks to make sure you know X Y Z contractors not getting a kickback. Right. That, is, that 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 becomes the question, right? How and that's you, why I got to care. How do you how do you stop like the corruption in in uh, in politics if you if you reintroduce that? Well, um, here's the other question, and and I think this is the larger question with it. How do you stop corruption? This this is always like the big thing, like when people are like uh, um. 
we talk about like uh, food stamp benefits or whatever, things like that. People always go like, well, you know, not everyone that gets it needs it. It's like, but do you want to not do it because some people abuse it versus all the people that actually benefit from it? So yeah, it, but it's, I guess it's it, one of those. It depends on it depends on what level too, because then right. oh, yeah, about. But it, it's it's just another thing to think about where it's like, yeah, there might be a little bit of abuse over here, but a lot of benefit over here. So is that like, you know, people always say like, oh, don't give their money to the homeless person on the street. They're probably not homeless at all. I'm like, you know what? I don't think that everyone that out there begging for money is, you know, scamming it's trying to rip people. It's trying to rip people off. You know, right. I rather I rather, you know go on the odds that they do need the money and I'm going to give it to them. And, you know, if that one out of 10 is ripping me off, at least I helped nine other people. Well, I guess you can relate this to the same kind of arguments like for and against term limits, right? Because on the surface, term limits for Congress seems like a great idea, right? These people have been there for, you know, too long. They, they get complacent. Um, they stop working for the people, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, if you, if you take that away and you start forcing people out, um, you're just going to have a, a massive turnover of Congress, and who's going to who's going to suck up that vacuum is is the lobbyists because these people are going right, to um, become coming into office and not without much experience, and who are they going to turn to? And the lobbyists are going to be there saying, "Hey, this is what you should do." <laughs> right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same argument. Like, you know, how do you fix the world? I guess. <laughs> Can we have a mandatory retirement age, though? What's that? Can we have a mandatory retirement age? See, I don't see. I can't even agree with that because then we then it turns into like ageism. Um, I know, you know that's true. Do you, I, do you know? Do you do you means test someone's someone's cognitive ability before they take office? How do you, how do you determine that? Like, I, I think you're alluding to um the the Diane Feinstein um comments coming out this week that she no, I wasn't even. Become, I didn't even did you that. hear about that? No. Apparently, she's getting to the she's her cognitive ability is, is isn't doing well, and she's forgetting things during brief or right after briefing and this is all I, I don't you know i don't prescribe to like i don't know how much this is actually happening and how much this is just media hoopla but mm-hmm. um but it's 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 that kind of idea right like um but yeah i don't want to start and get to it into, into an ageism discussion where we're going to say well you're too old to be in office like that's that's kind of icky right that's kind of cringe no you're right it is but yeah but, well look at um Oh, well, I can't think of what town it was in right now or what state. I mean, there was a 70-year-old, one, a 70-year-old newly minted Speaker of the House. It's killing me that I can't think of what state. Oh, that was portraits of words because he just died of COVID this week, like yesterday, um, right after he was elected to be Speaker of the House in the state. I forget what state it was. I think I did hear that story too, but I get yeah, some kind of... But if you look what happened, they had an unmasked, they, there was a indoor event of the Republican representatives and they were unmasked and a bunch of people contracted COVID during yeah. that. And he was 71 and he died. Well, how, you know, how, how many I mean, weeks have we been on. talking about this, this COVID fatigue and this, this isn't, this isn't stopping, right? It's, 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 yeah, getting, it's, fatigue, just, it's just getting it's, worse. It's just you know getting what, worse. It, you know what doesn't get tired? COVID. COVID doesn't no, get tired. The, the, the virus itself is not going to get tired of infecting people. No, so it's going to keep I, doing I think it. You, you hear this good news about a vaccine. I think that that's going to, that's going to kind of like loosen people up a little bit to the point where they're going to be like, oh, well, there's a vaccine coming. I don't have to worry about it as much. But until, no. until we get to a point where most people are vaccinated, it's still going to be a huge concern. And, and by the time we get to that state, we're not going to be until the you, summer. 
like you still see people online talking about how it's not a it's it, it only kills a, like a small amount of people why are you worried about it? it it's fine just live your life we need to we need to open um and, the, they, and they don't realize that if we were all to just throw air masks now open everything up the number of people that'd be dying would dramatically elevate. so dramatically dramatic. I mean, look at the increase since thanksgiving you know, we're, we are talking about 9-11 style, you know, rates of death per day, yeah. per day since th- a week after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, you know, this yeah, we talked I, over I don't think any thousand people in a day. Like, I think we predicted this. <laughs> like, I don't think, this, wasn't a, this wasn't a surprise to anybody because we knew, we well, knew what no. was coming. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest. It was a surprise to a lot of people. Okay, yeah. Because they thought that- it was not real. Not to us. Yeah, to to <laughs> I mean, people that understand science and respected the scientists, it was not a surprise to us. No, and, and even recognize human behavior because you knew people weren't going to, you know, just just quarantine for Thanksgiving and and, and Christmas is coming around the corner and Christmas yeah. might even be a bigger transmitter of the. No, we, we of COVID, my family so. we've, we've already decided. Well, at first back in like near Thanksgiving, we were hopeful that maybe because enough of us were in early groups that might get the vaccine. Like my wife's getting it next week. She's already knows like the hospital she works for. They've already sent out like, Hey, who wants it? Let's, um, and they're going to start issuing it next week as soon as it's approved. So she's getting it. Um, my parents are in the seventies. So they're one of the early list people. My sister and her daughter both work in education. So that's another, you know, that's the next people down the line. So the idea was like, well, depending on how fast it goes out, we might actually be able to get together for Christmas, but we know now it's not going to be fast enough for all that. So we're, we've already decided with our family, we're not getting together for Christmas. We are going to do a zoom thing next week while we make pierogies in separate locations. That's cool. See, that's the thing. You gotta, you gotta find ways to, to, no. to, to kind of keep your sanity and keep, keep, um, keep your spirits up. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, be safe because you just you look at the charts, and we've been. I feel like I've been saying this for weeks, but you just look at the charts, and it's just it's just it's another depressing. spike and spike and spike and spike, and it's like when 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 are people gonna like get get it? And by the right. time people get it, it's gonna be too late. We'll have a vaccine now. Hopefully, most people will take it. I mean, look this, at the NFL, will, the NFL, which a system which theoretically put in these all these contact tracing safeguards and all this. You know, you get teams playing without quarterbacks and games are in your schedule constantly, like. When is enough enough? I mean, obviously they're trying to, cause they, they're profit driven. They're trying to make their money and all that stuff. Well, and the so, players want to play cause that's how the players make money too, right? Like, right. <laughs> but uh, everyone, so at the beginning of the season, anyone that opted out of the season still got paid for the season. That's great. And I'm sure yeah. that, I'm sure that was bargained by the, by the union. Like yeah. the NFLPA has a very strong, very strong union, not as strong as the major league baseball, but, but they, you know, they, they do, they do wield a lot of power. And I think that has a lot to do with um, probably. And that's why, you know, unionization is, is, is great. And we need to still push unionization. Um, that's another soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely. That is, uh, yeah, let's, that's a whole nother, let's not even talk about unionization today. Cause uh, we, we'll be, yeah, yeah, we'll, I know we got a little, that's, that's we're, a, that's we're a, on time limit this week. So we're a little, little short, little short version. So um, yeah, we won't, we always sit talking about that because that's that that's a that's a long story and 
you know, unionization rates in this country have just been plummeting, plummeting. Since, since, since the, the 90s, since the 80s, I meant to say. Since, um, since Reagan. Since Reagan. Reagan like, destroyed basically the dismantled, unions. dismantled all the unions. And, and what has happened since then? Wages have been stagnant, very stagnant since, yeah, since Reagan. You know, so, exactly. Corporate profits have ex- increased exponentially. Yeah. You have Bezos, who's like, you know, Ma- Bezos has uh, um, increased his profits so much during the pandemic. You know, he's a multi-billion, you know, billionaire now. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I hate that I have to buy things from Amazon sometimes because I'm like, I, I'm trying, I try to actually find things other places and then like, well, I can only find it here. So here it goes. Right. But that's, that's, but that's how, that's how capitalism works. <laughs> right. It, it, almost, it almost forces your hand because you're like, you know, I, I could, I can, I could spend more money, but. Well, I can't spend more money. I can't afford to spend more money. So you end up, you end up but, supporting businesses that you don't really don't want to support. And that's and what's sad is like he can afford to pay all his workers more money if he's making that much profit. That means everyone else below him can make more money. Yes. And, yeah, and I mean, I'm talking about the people at the very bottom, the people that are in the warehouses busting their butts every day to right. get us our stuff. And you know what? I don't need two day prime shipping. Honestly, don't. I don't need something here. And, and even sometimes, like I, I'm, I ship out, I just order because I have Prime. You know, everyone has Prime at this point, and I order it. When it comes the next day, I'm like, okay, I didn't need it here on Sunday. <laughs> like, I, it, yeah, I didn't need someone to bend over backwards to get it to me. I honestly didn't. If I needed it that bad, I would have driven to the store and gotten it yeah. if it was available at a store somewhere close to me. Well, that's the thing um, too is like. Dude, because of the online shopping and retail stores have just kind of just starting to slowly wither away, aren't they? I mean, we closed, we closed our Best Buy in Kingston. Yeah. I mean, that's going to, Best Buy. That's going to be the inevitability of the future though. You're going to see stores having smaller footprints. Look at FYE. Remember FYE back in the Trumbull Mall when we were in college? It was huge. It was, had two entrances on both sides of the aisle and you had all these CDs and movies and games and all this stuff. And now when you go to that mall, well, uh, it's, well, it's gone. Mall, it's, but it's it's much smaller now. It's it's much small. It's like a Sam Goody size when Sam Goody was still. Yeah, you, you kind of saw that trend happening with a lot of the stores, especially in, in our mall, to the point um, where they would you know the, the, the bigger stores would kind of small go to a smaller location and then an even smaller location and then they were gone. And basically, our mall in in Kingston, the Hudson Valley Mall, if anyone's in the area, is is almost gone. Right? They, yeah. They, there's a there was a big Macy's anchor store there. Um, that got turned into a to a HealthQuest um, medical facility now, so that's that's completely gone. Best Buy just moved out. There's no restaurants in our mall. Like that's how bad it got. That's, the food yeah, court. The, the food court turned into like one little pizza place. I don't even know if they're there anymore because I I basically go to the mall now to get my hair cut, and GameStop's still there. That's well, that was the, like in our mall, Milford, the Milford Mall, or the Boston Post Road, the the Post, the Connecticut Post Mall. There you go. That's the name of it. Um, yeah, they got the food court. There's a Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, there was a, a, a Red Robin that opened and closed twice. <laughs> and then there was like another location that had a restaurant that's probably like circulated three different restaurants in it. Like they just can't keep a regular restaurant open. And and you're right, like Sears is gone. Sears um, is gone everywhere, I think. You know, Macy's There's is barely, gone. You know. barely any Sears, Sears left. Um, but there's also, this is a great point. I guess we can almost end on this is that, um, you know, because of, COVID-19 and the, and the pandemic and the, and the shutdowns, the way, the way money is funneled to a lot of these bigger businesses is, is almost criminal because the smaller businesses couldn't, didn't have that infrastructure 
to keep up with the bigger businesses. And this happens all the time, but I think COVID-19 kind of just exacerbated this whole trend where like these small businesses just can't survive, especially when you see a lot of the relief um, went to these bigger businesses, which is, it, it should be criminal. Like the, the government should have stepped in and kept these small businesses. Well, you see, you hear all these stories about these poor independent restaurants, right? That are just right. decimated because they, they couldn't pay their employees. They couldn't, they, they're not, a lot of these small restaurant owners aren't like super rich. No, right? I mean, usually it's, you know, I've worked in restaurants, you got a family owned, you know, wife, husband and wife work it together and they're working there. They're each working 70 hours a week at yeah. their restaurant. Um, and they're in there and they're scraping by. Right. And, 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 and this just hit them so hard and not to have any relief and they have to have to close their doors because of it. It's, it's, it's sad. It's not, it's, and you know, your, your, your small town, like home owned restaurants are usually, are usually the best restaurants in town. Right. Yeah. Like I do love my, you know, I love my Buffalo Wild Wings. But even <laughs> I love my Texas stuff. Roadhouse, but like there's some really, really good, especially with the culinary nearby us, there are some really good restaurants. Well, even a lot of the chain stuff is still locally owned because a lot of it's franchises. Well, not a franchise, but you know, so, you know, that's like, that's like saying McDonald's. That's like saying you're locally owned McDonald's, right? Like, well, well, there's different because there's McDonald's owns a lot of restaurants. Yeah, not in, our area, not in our area. There's also franchise-owned ones as well. A lot of the McDonald's in our area are, are franchised, but in a, lot, a lot of those owners aren't, you know, aren't working in the in the restaurants seventy no, hours a week. Lot, they might they might are, claim that they're working a lot, but but I was thinking the chain. I was like thinking more like your 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 Buffalo Wild Wings or your um your Texas Roadhouse. A lot of times those are more in you know when you're talking about like a fast food restaurant. Yeah, a lot of times one person owns like ten of them. Yeah, and they're just you know, kind of like. And they, and they don't aren't actually in there but if you have like a actual sit down serve restaurant a lot of times those are um more hands-on owners even if they're franchises because you have to be a lot of times. yeah you, you yeah. got you know you got a quality control but you're, well, then you're, it does help it does help your restaurant to be involved in it and i think that's this pandemic has yeah this pandemic has decimated so many locally owned stuff and the fact it, it's criminal that we have a congress that can't get more relief out to people right now it's criminal and yeah both sides of the aisle it, it's just it you, when you look at what other countries have done for their citizens and what the the one twelve hundred dollar paycheck we've gotten and the pp the, the ppp loans that have gone out to some businesses and and the advanced um or the uh extended unemployment benefits that expired long ago um it's just there's so yeah, many the, things the, the super cynical part of me is 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 worried that the a lot of the democrats did this for political reasons because they didn't want to give trump a quote-unquote win um even though they they could have touted their although they what, they, what did. they did but, they the i mean the house passed a bill two different bills that never <laughs> got brought up to a vote in the senate well yeah and that's you know that's because of mitch mcconnell but still right. it doesn't it doesn't really help um doesn't help us. Doesn't help the Democrats when they they didn't take um, you know some of the concessions that they probably should have took back in October. Um, I think even Bernie Sanders addressed this this week, um, mm -hmm. saying saying it was a mistake not to take that bill. And now that they're thinking about taking a, a much lesser relief bill, um, just kind of rubs people the wrong way because now you can turn. It's easy to turn around and say, why didn't they take the bill back in October? Did they didn't want to help Trump? And it, it you know on the surface it seems like a very reasonable argument. You know what? <laughs> you, you, you could say, hey, why didn't we do that? But at some point, you just got to say, let's do what we can now. 100%. So I, at this 100%. point, at this point, like, yeah, we can have the debate. 
you know, next year we can have all the debates we want about what we should have done in the past. Let's just do what we need to do. Oh, and we will now. trust. We will. You know, midterm elections are going to be very interesting. People, I, I, people need relief now though. And, you know, like you said, restaurants are, have hurt. They, people have gone out of business. Um, places have closed permanently for, you know, and, and people that places have been well-established. You know, be, before this happened, like we mentioned, retail places were already hurting before the pandemic because they were losing out. And it's really with, with the with the retail stuff, you, you're talking about like Sears and JCPenney and Macy's are losing out to Kohl's and Target and Walmart because they're cheaper stuff and they're, it's, it's selling to a different clientele nowadays. Well, that, you know, then that just goes along with the, the shrinking middle class too, right? I, right. The, the, that, that, all t- that all ties into that is the, you know, the, 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 the middle class is shrinking and, and the, the, the rich are getting richer. Um, also, the but, idea of the, the department store is kind of an old idea at this point. Yeah, but you, it, like you said, you still see, you still do see some stores yeah. doing very, having very, having a lot of success in, in, in retail. Um, and a lot of those are just, um, like you said, but it's 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 kind of like it's almost like a cheaper model, right? It's um, you're not going to be able to shop at your Macy's, so you go to a Kohl's, right? And right. obviously, the, the the things in Kohl's are a little bit a little bit more on the cheaper side than than they were back back when Macy's was was prevalent. But that that all comes down to, like I said, it comes down to the middle class shrinking and people having less money and needing needing to save that money. And where are they gonna where are gonna where are they gonna save that money? They're gonna be able to shop at stores that have you know well. Hey, well, Kohl's is giving me a thirty percent off coupon. Plus, I can get all this Kohl's cash when I buy this. Kohl's stuff. marketing plus, is Kohl's marketing is just great too. Like plus, from a marketing plus, from a marketing standpoint, I love that store because yeah. they will <laughs> you they'll be like fifty percent off, and it'll just be the same price that you would pay anywhere else. <laughs> but it just feels like you're getting such a good deal. Like that's just really well, it's, just it's always really on the receipt. Like marketing. look at all the money you saved it, and they hi, they circle it. For oh you. yeah, that, that's that's saved. just really good marketing. That I've always I've always been impressed with Kohl's. Like. The way they do that, and you, it works for me too. I was just like, it, it does. It feels like you're saving money, even though you might be paying like a few dollars less or so. But it just, oh my god, I got this huge sale. And then the Kohl's cash, which I always get, and I'm like, great, I got all those Kohl's cash, and then I forget about it. But it for, that, yeah, the story. thing is, that's that's the thing about the Kohl's cash. Like, it either forces you to come back next week, or yeah, yeah. you're done, or you're screwed. <laughs> which again, is just it's it's a great marketing play. Like I, I totally lost out on sixty dollars Kohl's cash last month at some point because I missed the dates. See. Like I totally forgot about it because we bought a lot of stuff. I had buy stuff for the kids and I got 60 bucks in Kohl's cash and then I don't know what happened to it. Speaking of, I gotta, I gotta I, do my Christian shopping soon. And I, I got the app on the phone too. So you pay with everything uh, on the phone at the store now. It's just like, well, this way, all your coupons are in the app. So when you go to pay, you're, you're, you automatically add your coupons in and then you just put the QR code and it scans it right to your Kohl's credit card. So anyone from Kohl's, if you're <laughs> listening, you know, we could use some sponsors. It'd yeah, be great. We, um, we can make this- like Kohl's. <laughs> we'll we'll show for close for Coles. Um, you know, if you want to, we could do this every day if you pay us. <laughs> well, so you got to pay us a lot if you want us to do this every day. Let's be honest. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe twice. I mean, when week. it comes when it comes to Coles, I'm sure they can afford it. But we're not that we're not that expensive. I mean, and Coles, you know, they they do great shipping and returns. They they also do Amazon returns at Coles now. They just right, this is not a Coles commercial, Keith. You know, we gotta- <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I just think about how newer companies do things leaner and lighter, and that's why they yeah. succeed over like Sears and JCPenney and Macy's because, you know, old stores they die out because the old model doesn't work forever. Right, and well, JCPenney's 
JCPenney's had that awful marketing campaign where it's just like, oh, we're not going to do like six ninety nine anymore. It'll be, it'll just be a flat number. Like, what was that about? Like, <laughs> I, don't I don't remember that. Like, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, JCPenney. That's a whole. Uh, <laughs> we should just do a whole history on retail stores. Yeah, no. go Wikipedia. But anyway, <laughs> in depth history on why retail sucks. Um, have you ever had a retail job? I have. I worked at Eddie Bauer during college ah. for two years in Westport. I worked at the Westport store. And when I was at home from break, I also worked at the Manch- the one in the Manchester Mall. See, so, I, never did, I never did retail. I was, a, I was a McDonald's guy. I worked at McDonald's for all my I, I worked the return school. line the day after Christmas, my first year. See, that's why I was, oh, that's why oh, it was actually, retail. it was actually working just the return line the day after Christmas. The day goes by so fast. That all you're doing, true. all you're doing, there's people queued up, just forever, and, just and you kind of every couple minutes you yell at the policy again, like if you're getting exchange, go get the thing you want to exchange now. If you don't have a receipt, you're going to get store credit. If you have a receipt, you'll go back to whatever you paid it on, you know, to the card or you get cash if you have the receipt. And you just every couple minutes you say it, and then people come up. Here's the thing, you sign the thing. And it's it's just it so busy. It becomes a process, and then all of a sudden your eight hour shift is over. Yeah. Um, that was always the nice thing about McDonald's is it was always more fun when it was busy because you really, you just you just sat there and you just yeah. did what you needed to do. If it was slow, then you'd end up doing boring jobs like like cleaning things, and that was never fun. Oh man, I clean cleaning the cooktop in the kitchen that's always fun. I actually because I, I I was a short order cook one year and cleaning the the cooktop, the scraper flipped and I scraped the skin off my wrist. So like, you know, I'm cook, cleaning a hot cooktop and it's it flipped over and. So like scraped and cauterized at the same time. Oof. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I don't think I I never saw anything like that. Worst injury I saw at McDonald's was somebody dropped a hot coffee pot on their foot. Oh. That was not good. No, that's not good. Pretty bad burns. As we as we know, McDonald's coffee is pretty hot. That's another story. I don't know if you know the whole story. I do. I do know the whole story about that. About how like that was the that was like the 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 poster child for like the most frivolous lawsuit ever. Yeah. But it actually turns out like that that coffee was like way hotter than it should have been. Right. It was like (laughs) it was a mistake that at that one location. Yeah, it was like a hundred and seventy degree coffee or something ridiculous. So. But actually, like she got seriously injured. But people thought it was the very. There's a, there's a lot. We well, can I mean, the idea is like, oh, of course your coffee's gonna be hot, like, duh. But no, it was like, but it was like, but it was almost boiling, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was it was way too hot. We're, now we're getting on a tangent. Anyways, anyway, we didn't even get to talk. We didn't even get to talk about the Facebook antitrust suit that's coming up right now. Um, so no, take, um, take that, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, what do you what do you really say about that though? Um, it's it's about time, I guess. Um, is this but then again like the, again the cynical part of me is is this all coming out because um because zuckerberg and and twitter and facebook are like actually like pushing back against fake news and like the, and the government's yeah. like wait a minute we don't like the way you're handling this kind of stuff so we got to break you guys up or you know or is it the legitimate concerns that people have that that most that a lot of a lot of people have about these these tech companies getting way too big and just controlling way too much and because we don't seem to have this issue with media companies right um well there there are, well there are certain regulations with media companies that have kind of gone they, there were more regulations they've kind of gone downhill like how many tv stations you can own versus newspapers and yada 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 like you can't oh theoretically you're not supposed to be able to own like a newspaper and a tv station in the same area right if you're a media conglomerate 
Um, but those, there's been a lot of waivers for that. The whole Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, now with national cable to, too, like, like how do you how do you regulate that? Like, it's it's a lot harder to. But you know, we had a chance when we, when these mergers were happening, they could have said no to the mergers. And that's the um, other thing too, because that's that's the argument that Facebook has right now. Is like you guys so are retconning this. this <laughs> like, like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't like this came out of nowhere. Like you guys approved these these mergers. Like so. Like, did you well, not see how big Facebook was already? This, yeah, I don't this know. This is also when you, about it. You, you, this is why I mean. Again, hate to say ageism, but when you have people that are of, you know, when you have people that aren't into the technology as some people making the regulations, they don't under, they can't see the writing on the wall. So when you have people that have been in Congress for many years and they're not as tech savvy, uh, you know, they don't use Facebook themselves, they don't understand what it is, but they're making the laws about it. That's where we have the problems. Well, you, you saw you, this during during the, the, the hearings a few uh, few years back. I think it was, yeah. I think it was a few years back. Like time is like a flat circle. I have no idea when time when things have happened anymore. But you, <laughs> you know, you saw you, you know you saw Congress people up there like talking to Mark Zuckerberg, and Mark Zuckerberg was like, "What are you like, What are you talking about?" Like, <laughs> I think yeah. one, I think one of the questions, like one of the, one of the senators, like, you know, how did you expect this business model to take off? Like, you're not selling anything, and you're giving away your product for free, and. Zuckerberg's like, oh, I'm I'm selling ad space. Like, what are you talking? <laughs> like, like, what do you mean? But, like, and and that's the problem. You have people making these these regular. They, they're not they're not doing the research. They don't understand technology because they're not in the technology. Like, they don't right. use it. And a lot of the times, they're not actually on Facebook. Like, they're not using the social media. Their staff is using the social media for them. Right. So they have no idea exactly. I, I you know I doubt. I doubt a lot of these like senators and Congress people are actually like on Facebook. The, the you know especially the 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 amount of time that the average person is. Let me tell you, if I was in office, I would definitely have a social media person doing my stuff for me. If you're, yeah, I mean, if one, you're it takes too much time. Not even about in the office. If you if you have any kind of celebrity to your like, you right. have a social media person posting things for you. Like it, that's just that's how that's how it works. that's how it works. <laughs> like right, you're you're not you're way too busy. Like maybe you might say something to them like, oh, can you post like post this or like you might have access to your camera. Like oh, I want to post this once in a while. But if you know if you're famous and rich enough, you have somebody who does your social media for you. So, you know, like I said, people don't understand, you know, the people that make the rules that made the rules back when the mergers happened, didn't understand what could possibly go wrong with it. And it's sad that they missed that, but they're trying to retcon it now. Um, and who knows? I, I, for, for me, I, I would love if Instagram was not part of Facebook anymore, personally. I just think it, I just think it helps, right? It creates, and, and this just becomes like a systemic problem. Like this is, this is just a small, like a, like an example of what the bigger problem is, is just these, these companies just getting way too large. Right. And it's, it's, it's a much better situation when you have multiple smaller companies, right. Mm -hmm. And one giant company running everything. Yeah. That, that's the problem with the, with Apple, Google, Facebook, you know, they're, 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 they're the Amazon, right. That's the big four. They're so big. We, we use them all. Um, and it's how, how they work with each other, how closed off they are. You know, Apple's like a walled garden. You, you, everything's within their own ecosystem. They don't really talk outside of itself. And obviously you don't have as much, you want to talk about capitalism and, com and, and competition. You're not going to have as much competition if you only have four big companies right. competing against each other as, as opposed to like hundreds of companies like, like it used to be back in the day. Obviously not tech companies, but just in general, like me, you talk about media conglomerates, like, because that's kind of like the same ideology, right? Um, but you, you know, you, instead of having these giant media conglomerates, you have like smaller independent stations running, like competing with each other, and it just makes it, 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 in, in the system we have now, it's just it works out better. 
I don't want to say capitalism too much, but I mean, but it is the system that we that we have to work in right now. So we we should at least make that the best system that we that we can. Right. We can get way into the weeds on this until the socialist revolution. The media, the media conglomerate stuff is all. That's a whole nother issue that that's caught up in legal battles as well. Um, But I think we should end on this. So after this, I'm going to go post the link to this on Facebook. Right. Until we get sucked. We're like, wait a minute, then Zuckerberg's gonna realize we're talking we're talking about him and we're gonna get we're gonna get fake fake news. We're gonna get fake fake Um, news this generation Zeniel. They're fake news. Listen, if we get to that point, we'll we'll be doing pretty good. Yeah, if if someone says we're fake news, that at least we made it somewhere. So Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate thanks for hanging out with us for another week. Yeah, spending spending uh forty five minutes or so and like listen listening to us rant. Um as always. Try and you can connect with us at oh gzennial at gmail.com G-Zennial. or just re- respond to the comment, you know, write a comment in the uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. All the media conglomerates that we just said are bad, just share, yeah, just, you know, share it there, <laughs> share it there, and then uh, yeah, and yeah, drop us a line. We, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, I'm at Keith ZD on Twitter, yeah, Which referee, ref yeah. Lax on Twitter. Um, yeah. Referee Vinny Lax on the on the Instagram. So probably the best ways to connect with me. So yeah. And please, if you do like this podcast, give us a rating and review. Share it with your friends. Yeah, definitely share it with your friends, people. Yeah. Um, that's that 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 helps the channel out a lot. Is 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 the, is the sharing on the social media sites. So. Always the sharing. That's if what you do like us, give us a for. share. It's that's the what sharing. it's for. Sharing. All sharing right, is well. caring, people. Have a good, Have a good week. week. See you next week.